And as he preaches, a lot of people come with gimmicks, a lot of people come with hype and all these things. But you're going to see someone tonight who comes with the Word of God. And he will preach like you've probably never heard someone preach before. But I'm telling you right now, you're gonna, it's going to hit you right where it needs to. I love this guy. He's not just a pastor. He's a friend of mine. And I really respect this man. So come on, will you give it up for Pastor Jerry in the house tonight? Yeah. Amen. How's everybody doing? Well, it's good to be here. Uh, my kids are doing all right. Jordan's this high. He's got three little kids now. Ashlyn, Leah, and Liam. Liam, he's about, what, a year and a half old. And uh, he doesn't say much. He tries. And uh, Melody, she's married now. If you know my daughter, Mel. She's about, still about that high. She's five foot nothing, and she married Michael. Michael's six foot four. So not only does Michael kneel to pray, he kneels to talk to Mel. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, everyone's doing fine. Our church is growing. We give God the praise for that. And it's a delight to be here. It's a delight to be here. Pastor Kay, it's good to meet you, even from this distance. And I'll look forward to talking with you and sharing with you. Praise God. It's just good to be back. I know what that feels like uh, to be shaken. Uh, about 10 years ago, I jumped out of an airplane. I probably told you that. About 15,000 feet. I'm still shaking. <laughs> that was a while ago now, and uh, I'll never forget that. It was a great experience, and I can tell you that you gain a whole new appreciation for walking on the ground. And I loved it, though. I loved it. I'll never do it again, but I loved it. Never, ever. I signed more waivers that day. About 18 pages of seem worth of, you know, waivers that they're not responsible. But uh, I'm still a little bit shaken. But that's not the shaking I want to talk about tonight. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. This is where I have to begin. Acts chapter 4. And it's really good to be with you. Uh, thank you, Pastor Philip, for inviting us again. It's so good to see you. It's good to see everybody. And I want to talk about the theme of this weekend which is shaken. And you've already been asked the question, do you want to be shaken? And in Acts chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading at verse 31. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, this is what it says. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. How many would have liked to have been there? The place was shaken. I mean, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Who was assembled together? The Christians. The believers were gathered together, 
And the Bible says when they prayed, the place was shaken. And then it says something. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And it says, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's exciting to me. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we look to you now. And Lord, you know how much I need you. You know how much, Lord, we need your word. And I pray, Lord God, that your way, your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. I looked up the word shaken. It means to totter, to cause to totter. It means to agitate. It means to stir. It means to disturb. A synonym for shake is reform. Do you know what the church needs? The church needs to be shaken. And I see in this passage that the shaking that came to this place was God's power being manifested. God's power brought change. And in the word shaken is actually the result of change. Do you know we need to be changed and only God can shake us, only God can change us? I can tell you, friends, there was a change that took place here. Would you agree with me? And then they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all what? Someone help me. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And then it says they spoke the word of God with boldness. I see a change. I see a change positively, but I also see a change negatively. But look at the positive change. Go to verse 32. It says, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. There's your unity. Guess who brought it? Guess what brought unity? And we try to get it through writing letters and organizing ourselves. And here it says, God shook the place and all the people were of one heart and of one soul. You keep, you keep reading. It says, and it says that none of them said that all the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Look at this. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there among them any that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. That's not communism. They had all things common. That's not communism. You know why? Because that was voluntary. They did it as a result of the shaking power of God in their lives. Do you see what can happen in a place when God shakes it? Now, look at the negative. You know, it's not just positive things that happen because you see a, two people named Ananias and Sapphira whose, whose insincere, lying hearts were exposed when God shook the place. Oh, we love the shaking. Woo! I like the shaking. Woo! Glory to God. But you know what? Sometimes, friends, some other things get shaken, and that is Ananias and Sapphira become exposed when God's power comes in this place. Not only will good things happen, not only will powerful things happen, but friend, the enemy will rear its head. But God will deal with him because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can tell you this, friend, this shaking separated the men from the boys. You know, we say we want shaking, but are we ready for what it will do? I also see here that it shook the church before it shook a community. Oh, we're going to shake a community. We're going to shake this place. 
guess what? Before they ever shook a community, they had to be shaken themselves. I, I, I like this guy. His name is Leonard Ravenhill. Anybody ever heard of him? Here's what he said. He said, before one preaches revival in someone else's church, he must make sure he's having one in his own. The book of Acts is a book of shaking. The Holy Spirit acting, moving, stirring, convicting, disturbing, agitating. Let me just share a couple of places where the people and things and events were shaken. I'll give you the first one, Acts chapter 12. Remember when Peter was in prison and he was in chains, he was going to lose his head the next day? The Bible says in Acts chapter 12, verse 7, that the angel came, slapped him on the side, the chains fell off, and guess what happened? Peter was set free. But in verse 18, look at what happened. It says in verse 18 of Acts chapter 12, it says there was no small stir of what had become of Peter. The soldiers were scared to death. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. Would you call that a shaking? (laughs) I would. How about in the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 26? Remember Paul and Silas were in jail, and all of a sudden this earthquake hits, and this jailhouse is rocked. And all of a sudden, this jailer cries out. And he says, what must I do to be saved? How many remember that in the book of Acts? I want to tell you something, friends. Would you call that a shaking? Would you say that God did that? Let me ask you something else. In the book of Acts chapter 2, when it says this in verse 4, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing violent wind. It shook that place, didn't it? It filled all the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And at the end of the day... 3,000 people were saved by the power of God. Would you call that a shaking? I would. Friend, the Bible says in Acts 17, 6, and these that have turned the world upside down. Isn't that quite a statement? These that have turned the world upside down have come here now. Can you imagine the community saying about this church, these that have turned the world upside down have now come into this place? That, my friends, is a powerful thing. I want to see that happen in my life. But I noticed something. There's one common denominator. There was one ingredient, one common ingredient, one thing that preceded all of these shakings that I just mentioned to you. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, and these all continued in prayer and supplication before Acts chapter 2, verse 4. How about that? Hmm, interesting, isn't it? How about in Acts chapter 16? When Paul and Silas were in jail, the Bible says, they prayed and sang praises. Then the earthquake. When Peter was in jail in Acts chapter 12, it says in verse 5, Peter was in prison. Then it says, but the church was praying without ceasing for him. Do you see in every one of these incidents, something happened before the shaking? It was called prayer. I tell you, if we're going to see a community shaking, we have to see a church shaking. In order to see a church shaking, we're going to have to get on our knees and pray. There's no way we can... Do what we need to do without prayer unto God who can do the shaking. When I, talk, when, when, when I take a look at this prayer stuff, 
I want to tell you, friends, I ask myself, oh, I'm really good at telling sinners they need to get saved. But is my own house in order? I don't have a gimmick tonight. But when was the last time I lost sleep? Because I was burdened in my heart for one of my kids. When was the last time you let go a night's sleep because you were burdened in your heart to pray for your pastor or your church? When was the last time I turned off the Internet or Facebook or shut off my television because... I felt a deep stirring in my soul that I couldn't get rid of. I'm preaching to myself. I want God to shake Bowling Green State University. I want God to shake every nation that's represented at Bowling Green State University. I want to be able to stand up on that campus and look out at two or three hundred students that I had the privilege of preaching to not long ago who I didn't even know knew the Lord. Many of them did not know the Lord, but I want to see God shake their lives. But it's not going to happen because I shout my way to it. It's not going to happen because I dance my way to it. It's not going to happen because I criticize my way to it. I'm not going to hope my way to it. I've got to pray my way to it. There ain't no way I can make it happen on my own. It's got to be God doing the whole shaking. And I've got to get on my knees. And I've got to pray for every student. I've got to pray for every person. I've got to pray for my children. Pastor Jerry, your kids are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean I don't need to pray for them. And there's not a one of you in here tonight that don't need to pray for your parents or your children and get on your knees before God and say, oh, God. Friend, that's what this message is about. Not that God would shake a community, but that God would shake us. You know, the Bible says the Lord sought for a man to stand in the gap. How many of that verse? He sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up a hedge, but he couldn't find anybody. The Bible says the Lord sought for a man. Why does it say the Lord sought? You know why? Because they're so hard to find. Because they're so stinking hard to find. We talk so much about prayer, we think we did it. It's time for us to stop looking at that person and say, Oh, yeah, boy, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to remember. I'm going to pray for you. How many of you had that happen to you? I'm going to pray for you. And you walk away and don't even pray for him. Oh, we're going to keep you in prayer, brother. We're going to stick you on the old prayer chain. We talk so much, we think we actually did it. And I'm guilty. Friends, there are people who say, oh, but Pastor Jerry, I'm not going to, I know, I don't, I don't believe in, in works. You know, prayer can become works, you know. Anybody ever heard that one? Oh, I got to be careful. You got to be careful that prayer might become works. Oh, don't want no works. Ooh. I'm so sick of that. 
I've heard several variations of that. And my brother has too. But you know what I find in the Bible? I find this. In Acts chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Pick out seven men full of the Holy Ghost of wisdom that can give themselves to this ministry, but we will give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. Did everybody see that word in there? We will give ourselves. They didn't wait for it to drop out of the sky. I'm not going to pray unless God moves me. Friend, you better pray before God moves you and pray that he does move you. And I can tell you this. When they gave themselves to prayer, they weren't waiting for something miraculous to happen. They just gave themselves to it. When are we going to give ourselves to it? My Bible says in Isaiah 64, 7, it says, There is none, there is none that calleth upon thee. There is no one who will stir himself up to take hold of God. Do you see that verse? There is none that stirs himself. Friends, it's not just going to happen. We're going to have to give ourselves, and we're going to have to what? Stir ourselves. We're going to have to give ourselves, and we're going to have to stir ourselves. My Bible tells me in the book of 1 Samuel, Samuel told the people of Israel, he said this, he said, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. Do you know a spirit of prayerlessness has swept over the church world? And that's a sin. Do you know it's a sin to have a prayerless life? But Pastor Jerry, the theme is shaken. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know, you see, I have a granddaughter who's five years old now and had cancer at a year and a half. I know. And I'm here to tell you prayer is not a cop-out. It works. And the people who think that prayer doesn't work, don't pray. And I'm here to tell you that Asha is cancer-free today. Sure, her last MRI was clear, and every MRI before that was clear, and I anticipate every MRI from here till Jesus comes will be clear. You know why? Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's time to pray. Oh, pastor, she had chemotherapy. No, she didn't. And that was a fight too. But they won that fight because God was on their side. I'm here to tell you I am standing living proof that prayer does work. My wife and I in 1979 were married six months I was in a car accident. I almost lost my life. The enemy tried to snuff it out. But I'm here to tell you that the enemy is not bigger than my God. I am here to tell you on June the 2nd. What is today? June the 3rd. Well, yesterday, a year ago. Or or, uh, 32 years ago. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I was in Minnesota driving on a highway. And a girl in Ohio who didn't know me was awakened in the early morning of the hours of June the 2nd, 1979, and the name came to her to pray, Jerry Hunt. She didn't know who it was, but her mother knew who it was, and her mother said, I know somebody named Hunt, and you go over to her house, and she went over to my mother's house a month after the car accident, which she had known nothing about, and she prayed for me at 2 or 3 in the morning of that day. And my mother told her about my accident, she asked her what day that was. It was June the 2nd, 1979, the next day. 
or that day. What do you, what do you mean? Well, she didn't know who I was. I'm alive because of that. Ten years later, 1989, my mother called me on the phone and said, so-and-so is dying in the hospital, and they need you to go there and talk to this guy. So I went to talk to him. Guess who he was? He was the father of the girl who prayed for me ten years earlier. And he wasn't saved. I led him to Christ. He died that week. But how many know I had a story to tell that guy? I said, I am alive today because your daughter prayed for me 10 years ago who didn't know who I was, and God spared my life because he knew 10 years later I was going to be here talking to you about your soul. Don't tell me prayer doesn't work. Prayer is real. Prayer works. I am here because someone took the time to pray for me. You are here, young person, because someone took the time to pray for you. You're not here because of your good looks. As good as that might be. You're not here because you're good at all. You're here because someone prayed for you. We've got to stir ourselves. We've got to give ourselves. Do we really long to see God shake this place? My Bible still says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I know this is a different kind of a message, but I'm telling you, it's the right one for me. It's the right one for me, and I know it's the right one for this church. Let's not wait a minute longer. The Bible still says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Friend, some of you are in trouble. And if you're not, you know someone who is. Cry out to him. Do you know there's help for you in God? But pastor, the theme is shaken. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But I've got to unleash the burden of my heart tonight and let you know that I know I'm not stupid. I wasn't born yesterday. I know what the spirit of prayerlessness is all about. And I know it's time for us. If we're going to talk about shaking a community, we've got to ask God to shake this place, this church, this people, this place. Because we can't hope to see anything else happen if we haven't experienced God ourselves. And we can only take them as far as we've come ourselves. Oh, you're good at it. I'm good at it. We know the stuff. We can get by. Friend, I don't want to get by. I don't want to just get by anymore. I don't, I don't want to stand behind a pulpit and rely on what I know from the past. I want a current, up-to-date experience with my God. I want a today experience. I want a now experience. I'm sorry I'm emotional about this, but I can tell you, friend, I feel it deep, deep down in my soul. In Psalm 3, it says this, and you know the verse very well. Many are they which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. How many of you ever heard that one? Many are they which say of my soul, there is no help for him but God. And then he goes on and says, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I'm here to tell you, friends, it's time to pray. It's time to stop talking about it. Oh, we're going to pray for you, but it's time to stop that. Jerry, it's time to stop. Well, what do you need? Well, sometimes we have to have a season of intercession. Would you agree? But it also could be a short, strong cry for help as Peter. Remember when Peter was walking on the water? 
He's walking on the water, and all of a sudden he starts to sing. He doesn't have time for this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, it will be done. Lord, if there's in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our day. How many would say that's a little long? What did Peter pray? Help. He prayed. It was prayer too, buddy. You know what prayer is, don't you? Talking to God. Here's what Peter's prayer was. Lord, save me. Woo-hoo. Hey, that's a good prayer. <laughs> well, what was it? It wasn't the length of it. It was the strength of it. It wasn't the length of it. It was the strength of it. The devil will try to tell you that your short prayers are no good. I'm here to tell you they are of great value. You know why? Because that's when you pray the sincerest. How many think Peter was sincere when he said that? How many think he didn't do it like this? I'm going down. Oh, Lord, save me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, help me. You believe that? Would you do it that way? Would you do that? You know what I do? Oh, Lord. Well, I wouldn't put my foot up. I was going down. But I'd say, oh, Lord. I'd say, oh, Lord. Save me. Friend, that might be the prayer you need to pray. John Bunyan, ever heard of him? He said this. He said, it is better to have heart without words than words without heart. And some of us in this room have a lot of words, but there's not much heart. And we wonder why God didn't answer anything. Because God knows my heart. And God knows your heart. I like what he said. It's better to have heart without words than words without heart because God knows your heart. He even knows when I'm sincere with all my words. Do you know that prayer will cause God to shake this place? Do you know that prayer will cause God to disturb your comfort zone? Let me speak for myself tonight. I, Jerry Hunt, need to be shaken from my lethargy. I need to be shaken from my lukewarmness. I need to be shaken from those things that are holding me back in God. Some of us need to be shaken. Such a shaking that it throws off the bad habits. That sets us free from bondage. That gets you off the internet. Some of you are so addicted to that thing. You couldn't shut that thing off if your life depended on it. And how I know, just shut it off and see what happens to people. And I'm here to preach the truth, not to be popular. I never was in it for that. If I was, I would. may as well forget it. I can't be in it for the money either. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say God's trying to shake us in the last days. How many have seen the weather patterns? You've got the Mississippi River. It's flooded on one side and drought on the other. We've had the rainiest season in Ohio since 1840s. The farmers are afraid their crops are going to rot in the ground. They've already planted them. They say this is the worst it's ever been. Tornado just ripped through Joplin and took my brother's house out. And my nephew Tracy had a rental house. It's gone. And I know you know of people in Joplin. You know what? The tornado went right through the city. Most of the time, tornadoes don't really do that. Have you noticed a change? Has anyone ever noticed a change? Have you noticed that the signs of the times are upon us? And we think we don't need to pray. I'm telling you, if there's ever a time we need to hear this, we need to hear it now. And as God get us on our knees and shake those things out of us that need to be shaken so the things that cannot be shaken may remain, as Hebrews chapter 12 tells us. You know why he's shaking you from your lethargy, man? You're so comfortable in your spot. He's shaking you because the signs of the times are everywhere. Because he knows that Jesus' coming is right around the corner. And he doesn't want us to be glued to this world. He wants us to be set loose from it. Friend, I'm going to tell you it's time that God's going to shake. 
television sets. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to shake DVD players. <laughs> He's going to smash our reliance on technology and ourselves. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It's time to pray. What kind of prayer? Glad you asked. How many of the Bible says pray without ceasing? You know, I've often wondered what that is. You know, if I prayed 24 hours a day, I couldn't catch up. You know, <laughs> But pray without ceasing is an attitude of prayer that gets a hold of you all day long. Someone said that when I've prayed as long as I can, unceasing prayer is still ahead of that. I agree with that. But it's not just unceasing prayer. It's seasons of prayer. But it's also waiting upon God in prayer at 3 o'clock in the morning when nothing ever happens prayer. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about with that? Anybody ever been awakened in the night? Do you know that God will awaken you with a song that will instruct you in the night seasons to tell you that you need to wait on him? Do you know the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30, the Lord waits for you to wait that he might be gracious unto you? That's the kind of prayer we need, the kind of prayer that wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning. See, I'm sleeping at 3 o'clock in the morning. Let me tell you something. God will wake you up. And when he wakes you up, it's not your mother-in-law that woke you up. And it ain't the devil that woke you up. He wants you sleeping as long as you can. But I'm here to tell you, I've been awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I staggered out of the bedroom, stubbed my toe in the process. Sat down in that chair, knelt down by the couch. Anybody knelt down by the couch? Oh, jeez. And you kneel down by the couch, and guess what happens? You fall asleep. You fall asleep in the middle of praying. I want to tell you something. Don't let the devil condemn you. Don't let the devil beat you because God sees your heart, friend. He knows that you got up and did that. Like one preacher said, they said, you get points for showing up. (laughs) But we also need all day short prayers. All day short prayers. Like Peter's. Lord, save me. Jesus, help me. Lord, deliver me. Has anyone ever done that? You done it? Yeah. My question was not how long did you pray, but were you sincere in your heart when you did it? And probably most likely you were because it was so short. And you were really in trouble. But my dad would give me a lick and I'd say, Jesus, help me. Now, in my household, that's important because we had five boys. Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, Jerry. I'm the last one. I know that's a new thing for some of you, but it was a nightmare in my family. <laughs> I want to tell you something, friend. We need to be praying like Peter sometimes. Lord, save me. You know, a lot of prayers in the Bible were short. Do you know that? A lot of prayers in the Bible were short. Yet they were heart strong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Like Peter's prayer, Lord, save me. You know, you can pray too long sometimes. Jesus said the Pharisees, they pray a long time. They stand in the streets. Oh, God. Now, you know why they did that? To be seen of men. There are some people in churches that pray so long because they don't know what to say. You know that? My pastor used to say, Jerry, he didn't know what to say, so he said it. 
And the Bible says the Pharisees make long prayers. The Bible says the Ecclesiastes, God is in heaven. You are on earth. Let your words be few. Oh, I'm not saying long prayers are bad. I'm saying long prayers are good if they're touched by the Holy Ghost of God. You get a guy in the church that prays, I'm telling you, by the Holy Ghost power, I'll listen to that guy all day long and shout amen to it. What about you? Come on, man, you know you're not praying enough just like me. You know it. You know what Peter shows me when he prays, Lord save me? He shows me that I can never say I don't have time to pray. <laughs> I ain't got time. <laughs> hey, buddy, you sinking down, you can go have time. So don't give the excuse, I don't have time to pray. You got time to brush your teeth. We got time to eat cereal, but we don't have time to pray. You think God's going to, God's going to say, oh, man, you're right. I, I didn't think about that. You know, don't worry about it, Jer. I find out when he prayed this prayer, you can, you can pray this prayer for a lot of things. You know what I mean? If you lost your job, you can say, Lord, save me. It's a good prayer. What kind of prayer? Not, the, not this kind of prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. How many know those prayers? See, those are prayers. That's not praying. Now I lay me down to sleep, a bag of peanuts at my feet. That's not what I'm talking about. If I die before I wake, give it to my brother Jake. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that comes from way deep down inside. That you feel it down on the inside. And it just makes its way out out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. And Peter prays this prayer. Lord, save me. Friend, if you're tempted to sin, you can pray this prayer. Lord, save me. If you're addicted to alcohol or pornography, you can say, Lord, save me. If you're addicted, friend, and you're in bondage in any area, you can cry out, Lord, save me. If you have no money, you can say, Lord, save me. If you got a lot of money, you can say, Lord, save me. But I don't care what it is you find yourself in. You can pray this prayer. Lord, rescue me. Lord, deliver me. Sometimes it's all I can say. But it's really to the point. Did you know that? You know, you know when you pray this prayer, Lord, save me, that's really to the point. You know, Peter did not beat around the bush. He didn't say, well, now, Lord, you know, there's, got some, there's been some things I've been wanting to talk to you about lately. And uh, I'd, I'd like to share a few of those things with you today. He didn't beat around the bush. He got to the point. You know what some of our problem is? We don't get to the point. In other words... What I'm trying to say is when you pray to God out of your heart, mean what you say and say what you mean and tell God exactly what it is. You know what some of my problem is? Right there. I don't tell him what it is. Say it this way, you know, whatever your problem is. Say it this way, Lord, I am a spiritual procrastinator. Save me from that. Lord, I am jealous of so-and-so. Save me from that. Lord, I am envious of my brother or my sister. Lord, save me from that. Lord, I fell to lust. Save me from it. Forgive me. Why don't you call it what it is? Instead of trying to say, oh, I, I, I messed up. I messed up. What do you mean you messed up? Jer, yeah, you sinned. Tell him. Because the Bible says if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know his prayer was biblically correct? 
Lord, save me. In other words, you can't save yourself. How many know you can't save yourself? You can't save yourself from sin. And you know what that means? That means you don't call the shots when you're saved. Or when he delivers you from something. You don't tell God how he's going to deliver you. Peter didn't say, Lord, save me. But this is how I'd like you to do it. How many of you ain't got time for that? Because when the creator of the universe is standing right in front of you, you know he's got a pretty good idea how to do it. So in other words, stop the generalizations and get to the point. And also, don't forget, it's his way. And that's it. Friend, when you come to Jesus Christ, you come to him on his terms, not yours. If I was drowning out on Lake Pontchartrain, and you drove by in a boat, I said, hey, there's Jerry, he's drowning. <laughs> Poor guy. I'm going down for the third time. And you had one of the great big old life rings, and you threw it right at me, man, right in front of me. Would I say to you, hey, I don't want a red one. I want a green one. Wouldn't that be the dumbest thing I could ever say? Yet that's the way some of us pray. Lord, I want to be married, but let it be her. Lord, I want a house, but let it be this one. Lord, I want this, but do it that way. Why don't you give it up and let God be God and let him do what he seems good to you, for he'll never do you wrong. He'll never do you wrong. You guys remember those guys in the vineyard? They were going to have a job, and they went to work in the vineyard, and the vineyard guy said he agreed with him for a penny. How many remember that? He agreed with him for a penny. So the guy's going to feed work, 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 work. Then these other guys are out there, and, and they're standing there, and they ain't got no work. And the guy says to them, you guys got any work? He says, no. He says, why don't you come in my field and work, and I'll give you what is right. Now, in the first one, it says they agreed for a penny. That word agree means to bargain. That means in order to agree, there must have been a disagreement. That means they had to go back and forth before they agreed on a penny. Would you agree? So then these other guys go into the field to work. They're just glad to have a job. And the guy says, I'll pay you what is right. At the end of the day, guess what? They all got the same. That's not fair. Well, sure it is. You agreed for a penny. But these other guys didn't demand anything from the maker. They didn't demand anything from the guy that owned the field. All they did was say, I'm glad to be at work. If you'll leave God alone, just leave him alone. He'll do you better than you could ever demand or bargain or command from God. Leave God be God, and he'll never disappoint you. You believe that? I do. It's all through the Bible. But this prayer was also personal. Lord, save me. When he was sinking, he didn't say, Lord, save John. He's in the boat. What did he say? Lord, save me. You know, the Lord saved Susie next to you or John next to you, but you know what? He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you from your dilemma too. Did you know that? It's not just John or Susie or Fred. It's you. Lord, save me. That's what he said. It was a short prayer, wasn't it? But how many know it was a powerful prayer? Why? Because it came from his heart. I was about 11 years old. My brothers were in the car. It was a 1969 Plymouth Grand Fury, like a tank. And when there's my mom and my dad, and there's Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, Jerry, that's a full car. And my brothers made fun of me all the time because I'm the littlest. I'm 52 and I'm still the baby. I could never understand that. But I know that will always be the case. And we were riding in that car. I was 11 years old. And we hit a patch of ice on our way to church. And we slid off that road. And I thought, you know, 11-year-old, I thought I was going to die. I mean, this is it. I am a dead man. Boy, I'm a dead boy. And you know what I said? 
One word. Jesus! That's what I said. I, I, it was instinctive. Because I was going down. And, I, and I, my brothers look at me like I'm some kind of a nut. But you know what? You, you reach a point in time where you don't care what your brothers think. I'm not, you, you don't, well, that guy next to me, he's looking at me. I don't know whether I should do that or not. I don't know whether I should come to the altar and pray or not because that guy's looking at me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. He's looking at me. What's he going to think of me? I don't know. Don't ask me to repeat that. We don't do things because we're afraid of what people are going to think of us because we're too stinking concerned about our image. But when you're going down, you don't care about your image. And I yelled out, Jesus. Now, all I said was Jesus. <laughs> now, now, how many know that in that one word was this? Lord, justify me. Sanctify me. I've been living for myself lately. <laughs> Forgive me of all my sins and call me into the ministry. <laughs> I've been, I, was, I mean, it was all there. How many know it was all there? But it's all I said was Jesus. But he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew. I say he knew, he knew what was in my heart. He knew what I meant. And he rescued me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He saved me. You may not know all the words, but you know the Savior who does. Oh, did you know that he's the interpreter? He'll interpret your words. You know that? You might say, Jesus. And Jesus is up there going, okay, I got it. I got it. I'm telling you what he does. He says, I got it. And he takes it to the Father. And when he takes your garbled mess to the Father, it's now correctly spoken. In fact, it's better than you ever thought it was. He's the interpreter. Don't let the devil intimidate you to, to not pray. I have a little grandson named Liam. He don't talk much, as I say. He go like, say Papa. He can say that. That I got. Anything else, I don't get. He said something to me one day. I, 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 it was, it was a one, one or two little blubs, blub, you know. And I, I look at his mother, my daughter-in-law, Erica, and I go, what, what, do, do you, do you, can you help me here? She says, yeah, Dad. He wants to know if you would like to pick him up. You got that out of that? How did you get that out of that? How many know what I'm talking about? Because she knows him. She, she's his mother. Do you know you have a heavenly father? And the Bible says your heavenly father knows what you have need of before you ask. And if he knows, why should I ask? Because if you don't ask, he'll not get any glory or any credit. He wants you to ask because he, needs, he deserves the glory. He deserves the credit. He deserves all praise, all honor. And if it just happened, we would forget God days without number. My Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a what? It doesn't say perfect man. How many of the devil will try to tell you you have no right to pray because you're not what you are ought to be? But my Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, not a perfect man. I'm not sinlessly perfect, and I never will be till I get the glory. But I am a righteous man because I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then my prayer is effectual if it's fervent, and it will avail what? Much. Don't tell me that prayer doesn't avail because it does. How many know the verse, he is able to do exceeding? Don't you love this verse? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. You know, God over-answers prayers. He, he's prodigal in his prayers. Prodigal means over-the-top lavish. God is prodigal in his prayers. How many know you've, you've prayed to God, but he gave you more than what you asked for? Huh? Remember Job? 
The Bible says that the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his what? Anybody, help me. Friends. His friends. Some kind of friends. But he prayed for three friends. You know, Job lost everything in a tornado. But the Bible says he prayed for his friends, and it says the Lord turned the captivity of Job around when he prayed for his friends, gave him twice as much as he had before. And you know what? Job didn't even ask for it. He didn't command. He didn't demand. He didn't ask. It wasn't even part of the prayer. He was praying for other people, not himself. How many would say God over-answered that prayer? Remember the prodigal son? He came home and said, I just want to be a servant. What did his dad say? Put a ring on his finger, put a rope on his back, put shoes on his feet, kill the fatted calf. My son was lost, is now found. Hallelujah. Does God overdo it or what? You can never outgive God. You can't outpray God. You can't outdo God. When are we going to pray? When are we going to start saying, God, shake me? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail us much. Nicky Cruz. You heard of Nicky Cruz? He was 22 years old, just got saved. Been saved maybe a year or two, whatever. And he heard, he's from Puerto Rico. And he heard that his mother was dying. His mother was a witch. His father was a warlock, a spiritist. His father was the number one spiritist in Puerto Rico. The number one. His mother was the number one witch in Las Piedras, Puerto Rico. They called his mother the great one. They called her the wonder worker. And Nikki got a phone call. Your mother's dying. She's not expected to live through the night. This is after he got saved, of course, and he didn't want to go. Because his mother basically hated him. He had 13 brothers and one sister. His mother hated him. His father hated him. In fact, his father tried to hang his brother in a noose from a tree. And if it wasn't for all the brothers coming around his dad to hold him off of his other brother, he would have died. And he had no recollection of the event. His mother would be in tr- trances and seances. They had a place in the back of the house called the round house, the spirit house. Seances went on all day in that place. He says, I remember my mother's eyes turning yellow, bulging out of her head, being catapulted. Through the air by demons. And so he says, I didn't want to go back because I know my mother didn't love me. And why do I want to go back? She treated me so rotten. She just thought I was just a spot on the earth and was no good. And she told me I was a child of the devil anyway. So he said, Lord, I don't want to go back. She, she just did, she, She's going to get what she deserves. It's a Christian. Oh, yeah, Christians do feel that way, by the way. He says, but I know what Jesus would do. So I got on a plane. I went to Puerto Rico, and I walked into my, my mom and dad's old little stucco house. My mother was laying on the couch in a, in a daze. The doctor gave her no time to live, only one night. She wouldn't even live through it. He said, I stood at the couch, and my mother didn't even know who I was. She just stared right through me. He said, it was so demonic and so oppressive in that place. He said that I couldn't take it. I had to get out of the house. In fact, I left the house. He said, and I told my dad I'll be back, but I wasn't going to come back. He said, I was going to get an early flight back to New York City, back to Teen Challenge where the people needed me, back where they loved me, back where they cared about me. And he said, so I walked out of the house, and I walked down the road. And he said, the further I got away from my mom and dad's house, the better I felt because he was getting away from evil. He said, but the further I got down the road and the better I felt, he said, I began to hear singing in the little church. He says, so I went into that little church. He says, I remember that little church when I was a little kid. 
He says, I walked in. There was just a few people, maybe 20, 30 people that were in there having a prayer meeting and testifying. They were all sharing about how God's grace and God's goodness. He says, and I waited and waited and waited for a chance to speak. And I got up and I said, Pastor, my name is Nikki Cruz. My mom and dad live right down the street. And he, he said, oh, yeah, how you doing? He hugged them and, and renewed acquaintance with them. And, of course, he told me he got saved. And he said, my mom is dying. Would you come and pray for my mother? And all the people got silent because they all knew the witch and the warlock. One lady said to him, I hate those people. I'm not coming down there and praying for them. And the pastor said, Nikki, I'll be there. In fact, he said, we'll all be there. (laughs) So Nikki was going to go back to New York, but he decided he wasn't because they're going to come pray for his mother. So they had it set up the next day at 7 o'clock in the evening. They would come down to the house and pray. So Nikki went home, and at 7 o'clock the next night, he was standing there waiting for the pastor and these few people to come and pray for his mom who was dying. She apparently lived through the night. Seven o'clock came, nobody came. Seven thirty came, nobody came. He says, I was getting ready to leave. But before I went out of my house, I thought, I, he says, you know what? I can't believe it didn't come, but you know, I don't know what to make of that. So he opened the door for one last look, and he walked out to the front and looked down the road, and there was the pastor coming down the road. With a few people? No, not just a few people. Several hundred people were coming down the road with guitars, and they were singing, and they were shouting, and they were praising God, and they got to that little house, and that little house would not hold 300 people. How many know what I'm talking about? And they got in that house, and they filled that old house, and they went all the way around the house, and people started laying hands on the house, and they started praying for it, and they started singing, and all of a sudden, Nikki said, I was standing six feet from the couch where my mother was laying. She couldn't even get up. He says, and the wind blew through the house. You know, it's hot there. He said, an east wind blew through the house, cooled down the whole house. He said, and we could sense the spirit of God moving in that house. He said, and all of a sudden, I had my eyes closed. The pastor wanted me to say something, but I couldn't say anything. The house was filled with people. Everybody was praying, praying. I want to tell you, don't underestimate the power of prayer. Nobody said a word to that woman. They're just praying. And all of a sudden, Nikki had his eyes closed. He says, I was down praying. I was just standing there rather praying. And all of a sudden, someone tugging at my pant leg. And I looked down, and my mother had crawled off that couch and crawled to my feet and grabbed a hold of my pant leg and looked up and grabbed a hold of my pant leg and said, Nikki, Nikki. And he bent down to her face. He said, the first time I ever looked my mom in the face. And she said, let me kiss you. He said, I didn't want her to kiss me. But then he said, I finally let her kiss me. And she kissed me. She says, Nikki, I want you to forgive me for all the things I've ever done to you. And he said, Mama. And she said, I want you to forgive me. And lo and behold, he said to her, you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And in his arms, he had her, and she surrendered her life to the Lord Jesus Christ right there on the floor of that old house. And he says, she gathered the strength to stand up, frail and brittle, But he said, I could feel the power of God surging through her body. And she got stronger and stronger. And the God that I serve, he said, healed my mother 100%. She got saved and lived 25 years after that day. 
Hallelujah to the king. Hallelujah to the lamb. And guess what? Guess what? She led her husband to Jesus Christ. And his 13 brothers all got saved. Three of them in the ministry. And his sister got saved. And the whole island was impacted by that one woman who was no longer a witch. She was no longer a spiritist. She was no longer, friend, the wonder uh, worker or the great one. For she had surrendered to the wonder worker and the great one. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave on her behalf. And now she is in the presence of God. And how many people were shaken? How many people were shaken because of prayer? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How many in this room have unsaved family members? Raise your hand. Unsaved family members. I'm going to ask you again. Don't answer only in your heart. When was the last time you spent four hours praying for them? Two hours. How many in this room are suffering from sickness of any kind in your body? Raise your hand. Yes. Others, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. How many are suffering from any kind of bondage that needs to be broken in your life? Come on, man. You might as well be honest. Everybody else is. Praise God. He can do it. You know that? If you're living in sin, confess it. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just. And if his mother can get saved, anybody can get saved. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Availeth much. I think it's time to pray. Maybe you need to come up and get on your face before God. Maybe you need to ask God to give you a burden to pray. Maybe you need to ask God, Lord, give me a hunger to spend some more time on my knees in prayer. I have to confess to you, I need to do the same. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer while the musicians come? Oh, my God. I believe in prayer. But sometimes I talk so much about it, I think I did it. Anybody know how I feel tonight? Anybody know how I feel tonight? Anybody? Would you all stand with me just for a little bit? While they, pray, while they play and sing, how many want God to shake you? Before the power of God shook the place, they were on their face before God. But what if I pray and it doesn't happen right away? That doesn't matter. I've gotten up in the middle of the night and prayed and nothing happened. I got up the next night, nothing happened. I got up the next night, nothing happened. Next night, nothing happened. In fact, you might do it for a week and nothing will happen. And about the time you're ready to give up, you know what God's going to do? He's going to say, there's old Jer. He's been down there doing that every week. I can't disappoint him. And he will come down when you least expect it. I'm here to tell you, don't you ever give up. Don't you ever stop. Don't you ever feel that your prayer doesn't mean anything. And don't let the devil intimidate you that your short prayer is not enough. It is if your heart is in it. It's time all day to make short prayers, short prayers, short prayers, short prayers. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, love me. Lord, care. Lord, do. Lord, deliver. Lord, set free. So I'm going to ask all those who raised their hand, all those who didn't, which is actually everybody in this place, if we would come and pray that God would shake hearts ease, church, fellowship.
And I want you to pray for your pastor that God would shake him to the very core. You have a wonderful man of God in your midst named Pastor Philip Pemlott who loves Jesus with all of his heart. But I can tell you right now, he needs more prayer, not less. And for Pastor Kay, he needs more prayer, not less. And for me, I need more prayer, not less. So if you need prayer tonight, and you need to pray tonight, you bring that unsaved family member to the throne of grace, I would like to see us come and cry on our face before God and say, Lord Jesus, save my family. Touch my life. Deliver me from bondage. Set me free. And then you can go out and shake your world for Jesus. Would you come right now? Come on right now. Just come. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.